Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Our guest is Ben Thomasian, and he is a financial professional who founded a firm called Health, Wealth, and Real Estate, where he assists clients with a range of insurance and investment needs, uh, either as a generalist or uh, in one or more special areas of expertise, uh, such as financial uh, planning, insurance for business needs, or estate planning needs, uh, and these are um, always free of charge. And he also has a strong background in IT uh, at Stanford University. He worked as a technician for over five years. Uh, Currently, he's the director of IT at the Phillips Brooks School. Uh, He's also very involved in real estate. He owns properties in Florida, Texas and Missouri, uh, which is amazing. Um, so we are very fortunate to have uh, Ben here as a guest. He's a very busy man, and he was able to carve out some time in his tax schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. Uh, so we are very blessed and fortunate. Uh, thank you, Ben, for coming on. And I guess to start off, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Absolutely. Thanks so much, uh, Luke, for the opportunity. And um Essentially, you know, I've, I've been an IT guy for over 25 years. Um, I've been a real estate investor for over eight years. Um, and then uh, more recently, I've become a licensed financial professional. Um, and my, the reason why I got into this uh, aspect was my father, um, he at, at age 71 had huge market loss. This was several years ago. Um, and he came to me and he said, you know, Ben, what, what can I do to protect my investments? And so that's why I looked into first, my first passion was real estate. And I helped move mm. his 401k into a self-directed IRA and helped him purchase property with that. So that worked out well for him. Um, but I was always interested in finding other avenues. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I'm passionate about uh, real estate investing uh, and using hmm. that to build passive income. Um, and uh, I believe in a positive environment with supportive team uh, and generally helping others when it comes to finances and positioning themselves for a better, positioning themselves for a more uh, bright future. A lot of people don't plan for retirement. It just kind of sneaks up on them, and it's kind hmm. of scary to think how many people aren't prepared when that time comes and don't realize the pitfalls of whatever their current plan is. We like to say people don't plan to fail, they just fail to plan. Um, and so as a, as a son of an Egyptian and Armenian immigrants who came to San Francisco before I was born, um, they did not have a lot of the lessons. I mean, they came with a very strong work ethic. They believe in working very, very hard. And, and they did. Um, they came to this country with, I think, three or four dollars in their pocket um, from Cairo, Egypt. Uh, hmm. My grandfather fled uh, Turkey during, oh, I mean, hmm. during the Turkish genocide and ended up in Egypt and ended up marrying uh, an Egyptian woman, my grandmother. Um, and so wow. my father going to Egypt uh, met with, uh, came together with my mom, and that was a fun story here. Uh, from them one time, how they met and finally uh, became uh, engaged and married. And then they entered the lottery. Back then, there was a lottery system to immigrate 
Hmm. Uh, he had a sister in Australia, and he had his cousin here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, hmm. the United States accepted him to immigrate. So that's how they ended up here. And uh, I recall him telling me that he had to get a he had to borrow money to buy mom's plane ticket, um, and flew both of them out here and lived with his cousin for several months to get their feet planted, and both of them were working two jobs just to build themselves enough income to buy a store, you know, this typical immigrant story in San Francisco mm-hmm. in the early 70s, um, and just with a lot of elbow grease and hard work, that's where they are uh, today. Wow. That's an amazing story. Wow, that's incredible. That is amazing. And, you know, I have a special place in my heart for, for immigrants because my, my parents are immigrants as well. Uh, they came to this country from Haiti, and I, I, and I was born and raised in New York. Um, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very thankful that they came to this country. And, and it's, just, it's just incredible uh, that he, he had fled to escape a, a genocide, which is nuts. And he was able to, to find, obviously, safe harbor uh, eventually in the United States. And, and and that is amazing. And obviously, they taught you those values of hard work in elbow grease. I mean, you, you know, you work in IT, and now you're going in. You know, you've been in real estate, and you're going into finance, and and that's incredible. Uh, it's amazing. And uh, and again, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, and you talked about how you've been working in IT for uh, for two and a half decades in real estate for eight years, and. You had helped, I believe you said your father, with uh, moving some money around in his IRA to invest in real estate. And with his so 401k, yeah. Okay, it, with his retirement account, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's interesting how he, uh, you know, you, you tried to help your father out uh, in, this, in this regard when it comes to finances. But then he comes to you and said that he suffered some big losses uh, in, in the stock market. And that sort of... Um, Spearheads your drive to to kind of get into finance and to advise people on finance and whatnot uh, when it comes to insurance and investments and whatnot, and that's amazing. And my understanding is that you don't charge for this uh, when you give uh, financial advice, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Wow, that's amazing. Um, that's the first time I've actually kind of heard of this kind of thing. And the fact that you're willing to do that uh, free of charge is, is, is just, uh, you know, representative of your generous and benevolent spirit, uh, you know, wanting to give back. And, and so that's, that's amazing and incredible. And so obviously, uh, you know, you're having all this success, but uh, we, yeah, unless one's living under a rock, obviously we've had this issue with the big pandemic uh, that's mm-hmm. worldwide. And I'm curious, uh, how would you describe – uh, the current state of uh, IT, and as well as I suppose finance and real estate, and what challenges has the pandemic posed? Oh wow! Well, so as as an IT guy, we'll cover the IT portion first. Working out of school, sure. There was a pandemic which abruptly took us from on-campus instruction to one that went entirely online, right? And so, mm-hmm. as an IT guy, instead of one school site to support. We had over 75 locations for our humble team to support, and all of these offices had teachers, and these offices are basically teachers in their homes, right, who mm-hmm. were already overwhelmed with what they would, what would be the new normal 
for almost well, a, a year now, right? Teaching a class mm-hmm. full of kids from their bedrooms, working with technology and software they weren't familiar with. We did our best mm-hmm. to train prior to the uh, health-mandated house arrest, um, but everyone's environment and situation was different, so we had to be very patient and work with each uh, teacher individually and, uh, that had issues and, and get them up to speed. And thankfully, uh, you know, from an IT standpoint, we were able to get into a rhythm and help, help them out. Um, I can tell you teachers were really excited to have uh, kids come back on campus and get back to normal instruction. Hmm. So frankly, that's the best way for them to learn. Although there were kids who definitely did thrive from uh, the at-home learning environment, because for some of them, having the distractions of a classroom was a little too much. So it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see that dynamic play out between, you know, the kids who were very who were very well adapted for social situations to adapt, you know, have a negative reaction to being at home, where the opposite was true for the kids who were easily distracted and didn't work as conducively in that environment, they seem to thrive. So it's kind of interesting mm. that, that um, from the financial industry standpoint, I can tell you that the financial industry has, has, is just booming. Um, they, the idea was, you know, back before COVID-19, we were all doing everything out of offices, meeting face-to-face, and uh, we just ended up not needing an office anymore, switched to the Zoom model, and we just meet with people over Zoom, get to know uh, who they are and what their situation is, and put together plans. You know, we kind of just realized, you know, as much as it's awesome to get in front of people and meet face-to-face, uh, you can conduct business so much faster mm. when you don't have to hop into a car and go pay someone a visit at their home, you know, or, or try to go to the office and invite someone to, the, uh, to visit at the office. It was just a huge time saver. You could book uh, appointments closer together, for example. And when mm. it comes to the state market, um, you know, I've, and, and I've actually spoken to a bit on this subject on my YouTube channel. I am concerned about how the pandemic uh, will affect uh, how real estate moves going forward. Right now, you know, it, it's absolutely crazy uh, how the real estate market just boomed in certain areas. And in other areas, you know, of course, there's, uh, you've got the different degrees. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, I personally feel that the real estate market just just way overpriced. And, uh, you know, when the moratorium on uh, forbearance loans ends, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I, can't, I don't have a crystal ball, but my, my guess would be we're going to see a lot of home inventory at some point, and just the rules of supply and demand say, you know, that's not going to be a good thing for the real estate market. Whereas markets like uh, where people are moving out of here from, we're having a mass exodus of people leaving the Bay Area, because when you work for a Google or a Twitter and they say, hey, you know, you don't have to come into work. You can work anywhere. Well, why are people going to, you know, why are three Google engineers going to try to spend, you know, three, four thousand dollars plus <laughs> yeah. here in the Bay Area when they can live anywhere? Um, and right. I, you know, I had um, one of my mortgages in a property, you know, in, in St. Louis is like five hundred bucks a month, you know, with 
insurance and taxes, you know, here in the Bay wow. Area, you, you can't get a room for rent for that. So, I mean, like shared rooms, you can't get it for 500 Um So it's just insane to think, you know, what we have to give up to live here in the Bay Area cost-wise, but it's just not a sustainable way to live. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of poised in a position now to just wait and see approach uh, what happens uh, in the case of real estate. Wow. And thank you so much for that. And that's amazing. So as far as when it comes to IT, and obviously you work in the education system with, and the school system, you're seeing a lot of classrooms obviously having to move online. And, and so it's been a big adjustment. Some students have suffered uh, academically in this kind of new change in, environment, but other students have actually done very well. That's actually the first time I've, I've heard of that, because I've been told that all students are kind of suffering, <laughs> but, but some students are actually doing better under this format, which is amazing that, you know, they're, that they're doing better. You know, it's, uh, and that's a better, you paint a, a better picture than what I've heard from others, because mostly I've heard that it's been negative for all students involved having to learn from uh, online or whatnot. And so I'm right. glad some students are at least doing well. Right. And, and, and you have to remember, I'm coming to this with the IT perspective. You know, definitely teachers will tell you they prefer way more to teach in person, being able to see the mm. kids in the eyes and, and control the classroom where Zoom really takes, uh, you know, remote teaching takes, that level of control out of it. Um, so I can totally understand the teacher's standpoint, but yeah, I, I can't say that every child has had difficulty. Definitely there have been children who are able to thrive. And of course, with those uh, teachers who are able to adapt to the environment and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. kids, that those kids were able to thrive. Uh, you know, it won't be the same case everywhere. We're all different. We're all human. We all have our mm-hmm. own uh, mm-hmm. issues. And, and, and hang-ups and things that hold us back. Uh, and same goes for kids, you know. So it's, it's all a matter of trying to build that, uh, the structure and uh, building the, uh, you know, kids love having um, things stay consistent and the same. And if you can build that consistency mm. into their strange world of what seems been inconsistent for the last year, uh, mm. it can actually help to their advantage for those kids with that with those types those personality types okay i see and i could totally understand why teachers would like would like to teach uh more in person uh i suppose it's more of it's more of an engaging activity or whatnot and i'm sure they don't mind to commute to work um but they i guess they may be more the exception than the rule for a lot of folks when it comes to uh, (laughs) when it comes to working a, a job or whatnot because you mentioned how in the financial industry uh, things are actually booming, and because a lot of uh, financial professionals they've they've moved to the Zoom model, and it's faster, it's a time saver, it's way more efficient. And as, as you know, in that industry, it's, uh, time is money, and uh, it's a yeah. valuable commodity. Time, and uh, I think they they like it a lot. I'm sure uh, this efficiency and whatnot, and uh, so. Uh, it's interesting how it's uh, – and obviously you see the stock market's been going up and up and up during this tough time, which is, <laughs> which I guess is ironic due to the economic slowdown. Um, so, yeah, I, get, I definitely believe you when you say it's booming, the financial industry and whatnot. 
And I'm curious. Obviously, they're more focused on the future. Currently, things are bad, but the future horizon, things are much brighter. And I guess that the stock market's more reflective of that of that future, I suppose. And uh, you also mentioned um, real estate. Uh, now, I know you obviously you own property in places like Florida, Texas, and St. Louis, uh, where you pay 500. That's incredible. And I, I find it interesting that you're from California and, and you're from SF, but you're not buying property there. Um, I think a lot of real estate investors, if they live in areas that are very expensive, they tend to branch out and buy property, oftentimes in red states where they have better, you know, uh, you know, landlord laws and whatnot. So I, I don't blame you <laughs> for, you know, buy you know, uh, property in Missouri. This is a very common thing, right? Yes, it is. And, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that specifically because I, I did create a YouTube video breaking that down as well. You know, I called the YouTube video the four reasons why I'll never invest in California again in, uh, with, for real estate. Um, mm-hmm. And what's interesting is just this morning I read an article where someone in Riverside, California, uh, sold their property um, to another couple and they put all their life savings into purchasing this property. And after closing on the property, uh, the owners decided because of, uh, you know, the, the laws that are keeping them, uh, you know, eviction moratorium, uh, hmm. owners have sold their property and they refuse to leave the property that they've sold. And it's been a year and this couple in, that bought this property in Riverside have been unable to even step foot on their property. And, you know, wow. the tenants have completely let the house go to waste, they're not watering the lawn, the beautiful palm trees dying. And even when the new owners tried to go on the land to try to preserve what they can and water the plants themselves, the new owners would shoo them away. And, and the just, you know, I, I, gosh, I can't believe what kind of nightmare that is. And, and then the article went on to state how, you know, that, that that's actually happened more than just once, you know, quite, quite a few people have had that experience happen to them. And that's, it's just kind of insane to think. And the article even mentioned, you know, this would have never happened if you bought property in Arizona or Nevada. But right. that that happens here in California, um, which is very unfortunate. Um, but, I mean, it's just not one of the four reasons I had on my list. My list <laughs> <called> a- <laughs> wow, yeah. That's a crazy story. So the previous owner is basically a squatter in their house? How's that even? Yes, how's that even? They're acceptable? squatting on the house that they sold. Yes, essentially. But why won't they move? I mean, they they they've sold the house. They have the money. They can get out and buy something else. Right? But what's their reasoning for staying? I'm just curious. Did the article say the reason why? It's that's a very good question, Luke. And and uh, the the couple that sold the house, they refused to be interviewed to answer those questions. They don't answer the door when people knock and ask them why they're doing this. Um, but, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine, but uh, the reality is, you know, these people who bought a house and expected to take ownership of it, you know, when you close escrow, that's got to be very frustrating for a year later to be told there's nothing you can do to get the old owners out of your house. After they've already taken your money and are sitting on it in their bank accounts, you know, that's that's I, that's a nightmare scenario. I definitely don't ever want to see myself in. Wow, 
Wow. I hopefully certain things change within California with the laws to make sure something like this is not possible. And all the while, the owners have their money to spend any, way, any which way they want and still have the house. And, and this is their life savings. Just incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, very scary. And, yeah, you, you sold me. I'm not going to buy anything in California. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still watch the video, but uh, you, got, you got me. Uh, that's, uh, I won't be doing it. Um, definitely will be checking out your YouTube uh, channel for sure. And um, now, obviously, uh, the, we talked about how the stock market is still doing well and the financial industry is booming because they have more of a future-oriented focus, right? And mm-hmm. I'm curious. Uh, where do you see uh, things going in the future, and where do you see yourself in that future? Well, let's, so, well, I'll try to break it down on the three subjects again of IT, uh, sure. finance, and tech, and, and um, uh, IT, finance, and real estate. Um, so for mm-hmm. IT, I can't speak for how IT will change in the future. It's amazing how quickly technology leaps forward. And it's kind of futile to predict what the next best thing will be, right? Um, mm-hmm. so I've been in IT for 25 years, as I mentioned, and as much as I love computers and technology, that's ingrained in me for life, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. It can get a bit mm-hmm. tedious and a little repetitive over time. Uh, IT mm-hmm. used to be more challenging back before the, the Internet and before Google mm-hmm. to look up solutions to problems. You really had to dig deep in your experience and tons of trial and error to solve complex IT problems, sleepless nights, laying awake, to pound your brain for something new to try. I wanted to mm-hmm. branch out, stretch myself. And as the saying goes, that opportunity is on the other side of your comfort zone, and I embrace that thing mm-hmm. for myself. Um, speaking as a recovering extreme introvert, one of my mentors said that an introvert is an introvert until you give them a subject that they're passionate about. <laughs> and that started Health, Wealth, and Real Estate the website, and YouTube channel, uh, I wanted to share what I've learned, what I've spent a lot of my own capital and time on with everyone so that they don't have to mm-hmm. make the same mistakes that I did. Mm. You know, to learn my hard lessons, uh, I see myself as a teacher in the teacher role, enlightening others, and my hope is to build a future that will leave way more people in more healthy and a better financial state than they were or, or are now. Um, we are... Mm-hmm. We are products of who we surround ourselves with, right, Luke? And that's why we pay attention mm-hmm. to the kids uh, our kids make friends with, right, because they will learn and adapt their good and bad habits. Well, guess what? That's true for adults as well. I read recently a phrase, you're a product of your environment, so surround yourself with the best, or I like to say be surrounded by the type of people you want to become. You know, who you speak to on a daily basis will either inspire you or they'll drain you, so pick them wisely. You know, if you want to be a millionaire, hang around millionaire friends and mentors. If you want to drive a Bentley, you don't take advice from the guy driving a Toyota Camry, right? <laughs> and, and speaking about the stocks, you know, you're right. Since 2008, the S&P has been on this trajectory up, 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 up. Um, right. And, you know, I believe the saying, what goes up eventually has to come down. And if you look at the history of the S&P, 500, it does go up and down. So mm-hmm. the question I have is, you know, when does it go down and how far and how much? And so that's one of the things that also got me passionate about sitting down with people and speaking about finances. I would like to try to 
protect people from what I believe will be market correction at some point. I mean, at one mm. point, do people sit down and realize that, you know, this pandemic will have some sort of effect on the market? You know, I believe it's going to affect real estate. I believe it's going to eventually affect the stock markets and the S&P. You know, I, I totally believe in diversifying a portfolio. I own property, mm. that, you know, own stocks. But I do not gamble with my retirement income. You know, I want to make sure mm. that my retirement funds are in safe and secure financial vehicles. And that's the future I see for the finance industry. And, uh, and mm. as I mentioned before, with real estate, there's the whole risk with uh, all the mortgage forbearance loans that, uh, I mean, for people who lost their jobs, unfortunately, who's to say mm. that given another four or five months, I, I hope more people can get jobs and be able to pull themselves out of whatever financial situation they're in. But the reality is there's going to be a, a lot of properties coming to market, and I have no clue what that's going to look like. I just mm. – I've to say, you know, I've seen the crash of 2000. I've been around for the crash of 2008. You know, mm. markets can only take so much pull of the rubber band before it bounces back. And so mm. experience just tells me – I'd rather be cautious and wrong than throw caution to the wind and, you know, be right and pay for it later. Wow. And that's amazing. And thank you so much for that. And it's interesting. Um, you mentioned a lot of uh, great nuggets there um, that I want to go over. You mentioned that an introvert is only an introvert until they talk about what they're passionate about. I believe that to be true. That's the first time I've heard that. Uh, definition, um, and I'm definitely going to take it. <laughs> uh, I believe that to be so, so true. And My it's amazing. You can and, take, give me credit for it three times, and after that, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one, too. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to say Ben said this, and I'm going to say it three times, and afterwards, I, I, I don't need to, I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you anything about that. So, um <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, and I could tell that you love being a teacher and helping others. Um, that's why you have the YouTube channel, and that's why you don't charge uh, anything when it comes to um, financial advice, which is amazing. And and that's incredible. The what I guess what you get out of it is just the fulfillment of helping other people learn and enlightening others, and, and that's so amazing. And now you also mentioned that you're always going to have a focus on IT and tech because you love tech. Um, that's something you're passionate about, which is amazing. I definitely want to introduce you to some other people who are who are in tech because I love connecting others. And and you also talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. Um, you want to obviously it's good to have mentors and coaches uh, and advisors and whatnot. But surrounding yourself with people who are at the level that you wish to be at to attain. Um, and, you know, uh, it's, it's so critical because Jim Rohn, uh, a luminary in the personal development world, um, he, he talked about how you're the, you're the average of the five people you hang around the most, and, I, mm-hmm. and that's so true. And um, Tony, right. And, and Tony Robbins says that you want to hang around successful people because success leaves clues. You know, you can, give, you can give these people questions, pick their brains. You know, uh, successful people, they – they leave a, a breadcrumb trail that you can perhaps follow and whatnot. And uh, so, um, and that's, uh, I think that's great advice. And you mentioned before uh, when it comes to the stock market, 
Um, you believe that it, it's somewhat in a kind of bubble kind of stage, right? And at some point, uh, the bubble will pop or burst. Well, we don't know exactly when, but it will. Uh, it can't just keep going up, 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 and up. And so there's going to be a quote-unquote um, correction, so to speak. And people uh, should be ready for it, and they should brace themselves for it. And that's what you advise people to do. And I, and I believe that to be true. I think it's been over a decade now. I think it's been since 2008, you mentioned, right? So that's, uh, so far, if I, my math is correct, 13, over thir- uh, close to a decade and a half of it going up. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, people should be wary of that. Um, obviously, when it comes to trading stocks, um, I, I heard that you have to put in um, stop loss, you know, <laughs> to, uh, like, a, like an automatic stop loss. That might help, I guess, or whatnot. Uh, but you, you talked about the idea of being you'd rather be cautious and wrong than instead of throwing caution to the wind. Uh, this might be one of those times where you may be cautious and right, because I, I really do think it's a bubble, and I think a lot of people do too. And, but you, obviously you never know, but you always have to um, you know, be mindful of the risk when you're investing money. You talked about when you, the, the money you save for retirement, you put them in safe vehicles. Maybe things like bonds or, or, or whatnot or mutual funds or, or what have you. And I think that's the, the, the great way to go. Um, and I think that's amazing uh, that you do that. And I think it's something others should follow as well. Um, I'm curious. Now, obviously, you, you've helped many people. And with technology, you're helping many more people than you could face-to-face, you know, with YouTube and Zoom and whatnot. Um, I'm curious, what – are there any um, entertaining or moving stories that you can share with us from your life or career? Absolutely. Um, and by the way, uh, I don't deal in the bonds market. I just want to correct that real quick. Just clarify. Sure. I can't speak to specifically what vehicles I can uh, introduce people to because of the license. I have to be cautious. You know, there's a whole sure. new theme on that and I can't say. Um, but on a one-on-one, definitely I can share uh, the different vehicles that I like to invest in that are safe. They have, you know, a floor and a ceiling as far as what they can earn. So you don't have to worry about losing. You just tap on how much it can gain. Um, but mm-hmm. it's safe. That's the important thing. That's what I like to talk to people about on my one-on-one. But as far as stories, uh, like, like I made a share, I can recall back in 2007, I believe it was, when a gentleman who was a parent at my school and whose daughter was in the fourth grade at the time, it was her Friday for show and tell. And five days earlier, her father uh, was on a huge stage to introduce a new product to the world that wouldn't be available to purchase for another six or seven months because it had to be filed and approved by the FCC. The product Mm -hmm. was the original iPhone and the man was Steve Jobs. The fast forward about later, when I had an iPhone of my own, I recall my school librarian telling me to go show Steve my iPhone. I asked her, please, do not mention it to him at all. You see, back then, the iPhone didn't have apps. You couldn't load on it, and I had jailbroken my iPhone, so I could load programs on my own. Well, Steve was pretty upset at the jailbreak community back then, and so I wanted to be as far away from that drama as possible. (laughs) Um, But after Apple finally released the app store, I no longer needed to jailbreak my iPhone. Um, and that's one story. And then there's one. Uh, then there was the Tesla story. I was following this guy named Elon Musk, who was working the rounds to the venture capital firms on Sand Hill Road to get funding here in the Bay Area. 
on his new electric car startup, Tesla Motors Inc. Um, I had a very mm. good feeling about this guy back in 2006 uh, when he was introducing and selling uh, the made-by-hand Tesla Roadster. I wanted to buy one, but it wasn't practical for me. It was only a two-seater sports car. Uh, as soon as I heard that he was making a sedan, however, I popped down my 5K deposit around April 2008, I think it was, before we had even seen specifications and drawings of the car uh, had been announced. Um, mm. I finally, after many delays, was able to pick up, uh, I actually put a little bit more and got the Tesla Model S Signature, in pearl whites with black interior. And a couple, it was a couple days before Thanksgiving 2012. And for the first time in my life, did I feel like a celebrity driving around in the Francisco <laughs> that car. It was pretty awesome. Um, wow. I, I had purchased my Tesla shares when the company went public, IP, their IPO, with the money that I sold from my Honda Accord. Um, I had sold it in 2010, uh, and then I bought the shares at $17 a share when it went public, and I ended up selling those shares to put the money down on the car and finance the rest. It's a bit crazy wow. to imagine if I had just, you know, if I kept the cash and financed the whole car and let those shares ride, you know, I could have purchased quite a few Tesla's cash by now. <laughs> but, but I don't let FOMO hold me back or dictate my actions, and I actually have a YouTube video dropping today on the subject of stock investing um, because I want people to realize that I do have many friends who come to me and say, hey, you know, you've done well in the stock market. You know, what do you think about buying this share what do you, or this company or this company's shares? And, you know, I keep telling people don't do it, you know, because people can't take emotions out of investing. If you can't take your emotions mm. out of investing, you shouldn't be investing. Because um, as I said in my YouTube video, Warren Buffett said the stock market is a vehicle for separating, the, separating money from the impatient to the patient. So if you can't take emotions out of it, if you can't be patient, you're just basically, you're just a charity giving out money to the rich <laughs> who can't, you know, with their stocks. And I always say, if you're going to invest in the stock market, invest with money you don't need and have a long-term plan. The, the reality is people who invest for 20 years, do very well in the stock market. But it's these people yeah. who are taking money out and moving it and doing this and putting in the next best thing. And, oh, I saw an article about, you know, uh, on, on, you know, AMC Theater or, uh, or you know, uh, uh, what's the video game company, GameStop. I was like, yeah. GameStop, I was like, please, please, don't do it. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> That's, you know, so that's why I created the YouTube video I'm dropping today, just for those new investors or those who are struggling to invest, explaining to them how the reality is the average investor way underperforms any other market investment because people are people. Mm. You know? mm. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And, and thank you um, for sharing uh, this, these stories and the advice. And so it, it's interesting how you sort of knew about the iPhone before most people through the show and tell. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you didn't want to show your iPhone to him because of, you know, the, you had put some apps in there. But I had obviously after that, yeah, yeah, you had hacked it, right. But, <laughs> but later on, they made the iPhone better and they could put apps in it. I have an iPhone now. Uh, I love my iPhone. Um, I actually record all my episodes on my iPhone. The microphone in it is great and amazing. 
And uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely. I'm, I'm, all, I'm Apple all the way. And, and it, it's interesting you talked about um, Elon Musk. You, you were into Elon Musk before it was cool, so to speak, and yep. before many people may have heard of him. And, and, and it's interesting how we, you spoke about how the environment in California may not be pro, maybe pro-entrepreneur or pro-business in some ways uh, in terms of real estate. It's, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, apparently Elon Musk has moved his firm from um, California to Texas. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of this, right? Or <laughs> Yeah, I've also heard the rumor. I, I can't confirm anything, but after the whole uh, electric issue in Texas because of the, the winter storm they had, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's having second thoughts about that idea now, too. So I, I don't know where he is with all of that. I, I, you know, I know he's building one of his factories in, Tex- in Austin, Texas, to build the mm-hmm. cyber truck. Um, of course, I still follow him uh, very closely. I-, I am still a shareholder. Um, and so, you know, it's, it- it's a great company. I, bo- I believe what he was doing. And I was the guy, you know, who would get the emails from these, uh, you know, mm-hmm. real estate stockbrokers who would say, short Tesla, short Tesla. And I would be the guy who sends them, the email saying, you're an idiot. Don't tell people to short Tesla. Mm. Um, wow. And, and I was like, in, in five years, I'll come back to you later and tell you I was right. And I keep forgetting to mm. go back and telling those people that I was right, but that's okay. I'll let it go. Um, uh, it's, just, it's just funny that uh, sometimes you have to follow your gut and follow your instincts, and you can't listen to what other people think or believe. Do your own research. And this is good advice for real estate as well. You got to do your own mm-hmm. research. Don't you know? People are well intentioned, and people you know like to share what they share. But do your own mm-hmm. research. Do your own homework. You know, one of the things that I regret in myself is that I didn't pick up more books and start reading more at a younger age. Mm-hmm. When I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. I hated reading. The idea of reading, oh, I hated <laughs> it. Now yeah. I'm, I'm, I realize, wow, what an idiot I was. You know, people mm. spend so much time uh, investing years and years, putting all their knowledge in a book, and then you get to buy it for 20 bucks. <laughs> and that's like a whole, you could take a whole master class, or a whole master, a master class or a master's degree in, in college or university mm. and pay $100,000 yeah. or buy a book for 20 bucks and get the same education, you know. Not, mm. not exactly, but definitely you're going to get different perspectives and different mm. ideas, you'll expand mm-hmm. uh, your brain a whole lot by just picking up more books and learning more and what out there. And, and if you go to a library, you don't have to pay any money, right? You can still get a book. Right, right. I think you still check out books at the library, right? It's been, it's been a little while. I still buy my books, and I'm a fan of audiobooks. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, that's it. People need to pick up books, and I can't stress enough how important it is to keep developing our brains and keep learning as long as you're learning, you're still living. The moment you stop learning, you start dying. Right. What I right. Mean. That's so true. And it's so important for people to learn and keep learning because it's good for brain health. It helps to ward away um, Alzheimer, Alzheimer's, I believe. Um, you know, and definitely, and, and spiritually and personally, it's very rewarding, fulfilling as well. Um, I'm definitely a big reader. And, you know, more and more people should read. Uh, things like when it comes to personal development and whatnot. And, and in fact, one of Warren Buffett's favorite books is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Right. 
excellent book and and <laughs> it uh, so it's iffy but you know Buffett also talks about investing in what you know and doing your research doing your homework he only invests in companies that he knows something about his circle of competence and that helps you to stay emotionally centered when you know the company and the industry very well you're not going to freak out when you see the the price drop one day from the next <laughs> yeah and you right. understand the fundamentals and whatnot and I, I, I totally believe what Warren Buffett said, uh, that oftentimes long-term traders uh, tend to have success or are more likely to have success than the short-term traders. Uh, you know, I, I was reading a statistic that many day traders end up losing money and uh, because they're obviously swayed a lot more by emotion. When you have a long-term view, you don't, you're not going to freak out when the market crashes or if the stock price goes down somewhat because you have that long-term view. And I think it's so, uh, I think that's probably one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best ways to invest and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm definitely uh, with Warren Buffett on that, um, that people need to understand that when it comes to investing in stocks or, or, or whatever it may be. I'm curious um, now, you know, and thank you again for sharing the, the, those incredible stories. Uh, now, you obviously understand the importance of, of human relationships and whatnot, and um, I'm curious, uh, you know, they say that for success to be possible, you have to know people. The most successful people have the widest and deepest networks, and that's how they know about opportunities and whatnot, and not just for entrepreneurs, but this is for job hunters to, to find out about job opportunities. It's good to know a lot of people because uh, most jobs aren't advertised, and even if you have a job, it's good to know what's going on so you could perhaps find a better job because, you know, no job is secure. And you always have to keep looking, even if you're fully gainfully employed. What networking advice would you give to folks? Right. You know, I used to say the saying, it's not what you know, it's who. And, and now I realize I hate that saying. It's both. <laughs> but it really depends on the field, right? Like, it, it, in, the, in, the, in the finance field, it, it's who you know for sure. Um, but with real estate, it's what and who you know. With the health portion, it's what. A little bit more what you know, but who you know helps as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say the biggest issues I find with those who want uh, who wants a referral business is the fact that people actually forget to ask for referrals. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I myself in my presentation make it a point to request referrals. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I even try to them two or three times in the conversation because I mm-hmm. do uh, I do provide I feel a lot of value. Um, to people sharing things mm-hmm. that they didn't before they've met with me. Um, and and mm-hmm. as a thank you, I would hope that if they found someone else, if they think someone else would benefit from what I shared, I hope that they refer mm-hmm. them to me. So I would mm-hmm. start out with a hello, so-and-so. I hope that you learned what you, you'll learn something from me here today, and it will prove mm-hmm. extremely valuable to you. And uh, what you would have learned with something new, someone, uh, if you know someone who would also benefit from this, you know, it would benefit mm-hmm. me referred them to me as well, and then maybe the second mm-hmm. time I would say I would fit in somewhere in the middle or near the end of the conversation, ask in a different way, dear so-and-so, mm-hmm. do you know anyone has a 401k or 403b that could ben- mm-hmm. benefit tremendously from what I shared with you about you know, the rules right. of money? And then finally, mm-hmm. at the end of the presentation, I would close with, thanks so much, so-and-so. I hope this time with me has been informative, as I promised. Uh, let me see what, uh, what we can make work for you and your for your particular situation. Now that I said, I'll never charge or request compensation for my time ever. All I ask is that you send mm-hmm. people my way 
to referral, and that's the biggest benefit to me over any bill or fee I can request from you. Wow. That's amazing advice. You know, it's interesting that when it comes to referrals, you directly make the request, you directly make the appeal, and it's so important to be proactive in this regard. You know, it's it's important to know a lot of people, but you still, to to make things happen, you still have to be proactive. You, you can't be passive about it, and and it's so incredible. And I think a lot of successful people follow that advice. You know, they build the relationships. They may provide value, but they, they, they make the request directly. And, and, you know, they're not scared to do it. And it's so important that people understand that. Um, that is how you get referrals, by directly requesting it. Um, definitely. And, and obviously I have people I can refer you, of course, uh, whether you uh, make the request or not. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, actually, because I actually do a lot of um, – I've been doing a lot more connection emails, um, trying to tie two people together who I think should know each other. And it's, um, it's so simple to do, and it goes over uh, with people in, in a big way. It goes over well That's with awesome. folks. So I think it's – yeah, it's something people should do more often. It's so simple, but uh, has a big impact. You know, you get to yeah, be a know, matchmaker, which – yeah. That is great. And, and I would add there's a saying that resonated with me before, too. It, it goes, you know, if you ask, you might get a no. But if you don't ask, for sure it's a no. Remember yeah. that as well. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's so true. And you know, it actually reminds you of another thing um, that it uh, it never um, you, you've heard the saying it, it never hurts to 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 ask, but it only hurts when you don't ask. <laughs> so yeah. I think uh, that's yeah. <laughs> you like that one? Um, yeah. Well, so. like I, it goes back to you know, God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant's quote. You know, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. It's the same concept. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And um, now, before you had talked about the importance of a network and of networking and building relationships uh, in terms of it's, you know, who you know, what you know in many cases. And, you know, they say your network is your net worth, and I totally believe that to be true. And uh, so, uh, you know, that's something people need to understand and build upon. Uh, and whatnot. So uh, I'm curious. Now, obviously, uh, you know a lot of the, the, the success principles and, and keys to success, and you've achieved a lot of success in this country, and, and that's amazing. And I'm curious. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for everyone and anyone, um, but as a nation, as, as a society, we do have a lot of social ills, unfortunately, things like you know sexism, homophobia, and, and racism and whatnot. I'm curious, have you ever yourself experienced any um, racism or discrimination? And if you have, how have you been able to overcome it? Well, you know, I I, I think of myself as a very open-minded individual. And I I actually, a lot of the people I work with in my financial business, a lot of them are ladies. And they share with me all the time how, you know, they meet with guys in general Mm -hmm. who flat out tell them, listen, you know, you're a woman. I believe you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to finances. And they completely disregard what they have to say. And, I mean, that's terrible. Wow. Um, wow. So I'm like, so, and I've actually had them say, can you please talk to this individual? Because they just flat out told me they're not willing to talk to me because I'm female. They want to speak to a male. And I was like, wow, that, that, wow. Um, that frankly sucks. 
um, you know, and that, and of course, when I meet with that person, I already have a pretty negative impression of them. I understand. <laughs> yeah. From there, but I was like, but listen, as a favor to you, sure, I'll meet with them. Um, because I, I won't deny a meeting with anyone for any reason, but, okay. you know, it's not, I, you know, it's not a good way to start the conversation, knowing that in the mm. back of my head. But, you know, I, and I, I don't get, because of my nationality being Armenian and Egyptian, I don't get pegged correctly as, as far as my parents' nationality. In fact, uh, rarely does someone guess my nationality correct. I have a dear friend mm. from Ethiopia being Egyptian, uh, I'm, I'm Coptic, or I grew up Coptic Orthodox, and in Ethiopia mm-hmm. they're also Coptic Orthodox. So we bonded over our, you know, our country's um, mm. uh, mutual religion. And my Ethiopian friend at the time, we would go out um, when uh, we would have our singles event, and he would say, you know, I, we'd, we'd love to make the ladies play the guess my nationality game, <laughs> and fun to try to stump them. You know, growing up in areas where most of those around us around me are from Mexico or other South American country, I was most mm-hmm. often guessed as being of Latino descent and found mm-hmm. I was always focused when I was pulled over by the police, for example, or when my best friend Paul uh, was, and I well, was a passenger in his car. There was this one time we were driving down a major street near my home and uh, I, uh, I saw these two older balding Caucasian men in their dark brown, I think it looked like 1988 Lincoln Continental, I can't recall mm-hmm. how far it was, but I'm guessing being back there, I used to, I used, to uh, used to call those cars boats, remember, because they're just so big. Right. They were like, uh, and my buddy and I had CB radios installed in our cars so we can communicate with each other while working our security guard jobs, you know, while I was 18. Mm-hmm. Cheaper mm-hmm. than the $1 a minute cell phone cost at the time, because that's how much it would right. cost to make a cell phone call. Um, and, you know, for fun, we also added PA amplifiers to those radios. Um, you know, like you hear the police use when they make announcements for cars during traffic stops. Right. So, well, all these two guys, um, and I jumped on the CB microphone, and I announced Hair Club for Men was having a two-for-one sale. Loud and proud <laughs> yeah. of the PA the joke. I yeah. watched the two men laugh and then place the light on top of their car and pull us over. They were FBI. Wow stopped us, and the two of them asked me if I was a particular teenager who I also knew from the neighborhood who was known for gang activity and, and selling mm. drugs, and he was Latino, and they thought I was him, and, you know, I had to show mm. proof that I wasn't, and then they let us go on our way, um, but I was never able to get out of traffic tickets. I think the only time I was ever able to get out of a traffic ticket is when I was wearing my security guard uniform. Um, oh. So I, think, so I think those are just... Uh, two examples off the top of my head that I can think of. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just unfortunate. I, I love the, the Nina Simone quote uh, from, from her song, you know, you've got to learn to leave the table when love is no longer being served. And I love that quote. Um, mm. Mm. Really remember to love and embrace every single person. I don't even like to, I don't even like to hear someone's opinion of someone else. I would like to meet the person and build my own opinion of them, you know, that's okay. what it should be, you know, because you may see or someone may perceive someone differently than I do. I want to give myself the opportunity to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Let me come mm-hmm. to my own judgments for myself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, often I find most people are good and righteous and aren't as bad as people's opinions of them are, you know. And so mm-hmm. I always like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, always.
Okay. That's amazing. And, and thank you um, for sharing those stories. And it's uh, and I love that Nina Simone quote. Uh, first time I've heard of it, and I'll be I'll be taking that one from you as well. I'm sorry about yes. that. But <laughs> if you look it up on YouTube, I'll well, that's Nina Simone. I'll, I'll let her keep that one. But if you look up the song on YouTube, I didn't realize it was a song. Um, it's an old oh. song. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. I was like, wow, that's, that's just a line in her song. Um, but, yeah, I would check out that song on YouTube with you, Champ. You okay, just, definitely. Uh, in YouTube, just type in that line, um, learn to leave the table when love no longer served, and that song should pop up. Okay, wow. Uh, thank you so much for that. And um, now, obviously, uh, the, the story you mentioned about the, the women – um, having you know potential male clients not want to even talk to them, that's incredible. That's crazy. Um, that's yeah. the first time I actually heard of this kind of thing happening. And the idea that that kind of sexism and discrimination is happening now, you know, twenty twenty twenty, you know, twenty twenty one, is is just outrageous. And yeah. um, you know, and I, I, you know, personally, I don't know if I would even go out and speak with those kind of guys. If they're like that, you know, uh, that is that's just insane, and it's it's just it's just outrageous. Now, obviously, when it comes to the world of finance, it's I I, I imagine it's still sort of male dominated, and it's yeah. more male than female. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's just incredible that these kind of attitudes are even exist today. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting how the information you would share with those kind of clients would be the same thing. Maybe the similar advice that the woman would share, but they just want to hear it from a guy. Um, it just boggles my mind that people would even think that way uh, and be that way. And, uh, it, it, you know. It's sometimes, uh, I, well, one particular person, uh, we got the backstory from why he thought that way. And I guess uh, he would have been taken advantage of, multiple times by uh by women and so in his case he 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 just had been he's been afraid um but when he realized well listen not all women act that way Mm -hmm. you know give people an opportunity he he turned around and changed his attitude but you're right wow that attitude for no good reason and that is very unfortunate um but you know but sometimes people do have whatever hang up something in the back of their head um, it, mm. and, and, you know, and things like racism, sexism, bigotry, these are things instilled, instilled in us uh, in people who have those hangups as kids, right? It's no, mm-hmm. no one loves hate. Hate is a taught mm. and, and uh, something enforced uh, when we're younger and, and, and resonates mm. with those people who have those hangups. Um, listen, I, I, I'll be the first to admit that... Uh, I grew up in a household, you know, where, where my parents are very religious and they're very mm. much anti, anti-gay. And so oh. I grew up that hang-up as well. And then what turned me around was when my next-door neighbor finally came out to me, someone I mm. loved dearly said, hey, listen, you know, Ben, I'm gay. And I was like, and, and I used to tell the gay jokes and I, I used to be that guy. And then I realized, wow, right. you know, that's... I actually know someone who is, and I love this guy, and he's not different. You know, he's not someone who I would stereotypically right. believe as a kid. What I learned is not true, you know, and mm. everyone, everyone believes, I, I believe firmly that, you know, whether you believe in God or not, the definition of God is love. And so you mm. have to remember, if the first thing in your mind is not love, 
you know, you've got to check your attitude because you've always got to have that mentality and that you've got to think love first. Give everyone mm. the benefit of doubt. Give everyone a chance and opportunity. Don't judge anyone. You know, they are mm-hmm. who they are. Mm-hmm. God made mm-hmm. them who they are. You accept them for who they are. Definitely. Uh, and that's amazing advice. And it reminds me of what you said earlier that, despite what you may hear about a person from someone else, you always want to meet them yourself. And so it goes back to that mindset of not wanting to judge someone. You know, you, you know, still meet with them, see how they are and see it for yourself, hear it for yourself. And I think that's great advice, uh, by the way. And, uh, you know, so uh, definitely uh, thank you so much for that. And, uh, and obviously with, you know, you were able to evolve and change and progress. When, when your friend obviously came out to you and helped you to sort of change how you may have, you know, saw things and whatnot due to the way you may have been brought up, you know, of course. And it, and it was great how that man was able to come, I guess, to his senses when it came to women and understand that not all women are, are unethical or bad actors or whatnot, you know, despite what he may have experienced in the past. Um, and so that's amazing. And obviously there's been a lot of progress. Uh, and uh, we still have a long way to go. We we, we now have our first ever uh, female uh, vice president, first uh, mm-hmm. person of color as vice president, uh, and she was and she's from California. So <laughs> you're, you're, I'm yeah, sure you're probably you were probably kind of a bit yeah. me, yeah. Right, amazing. And so obviously, still we have a long way to go, but that that right there is progress, of course. And um, so, again, thank you for, again for sharing these stories and talking about yourself and your own kind of evolution when it came to, to certain things and whatnot. Um, I'm curious, what, what advice would you give to someone uh, who wants to do what you're doing? Essentially, who they want to get into IT because they love tech. They're very passionate about it. And perhaps someone who wants to uh, be an entrepreneur, someone who wants to go into you know, finance, uh, or real estate and whatnot? Sure. Well, the best, I can, best advice I can give to someone or anyone inspiring to do anything is ask yourself why. Uh, you need to first find your why. Why do I want to do X? What about it am I passionate about? If I had to wake up and do this for the next 40 years of my life, will I still enjoy it or will, I, or, or will it become a chore or make me hate my own existence? You know, I, I have heard the saying, if you do what you love, you'll, have to, you'll never have to work a day in your life. But that's not true. Even if you love it, you still have to work at it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Question, you know, it's the first question I ask anyone inspiring to do anything. I ask themselves, you know, ask them, they should ask themselves why. You know, when someone asks Elon Musk, what would you tell an entrepreneur to stay motivated in their business? And Elon replied, and I'm paraphrasing, I think, if you need something to keep you motivated to be an entrepreneur, then don't start a business, you know. So I, I went to school to get my PC repair certification and, and uh, did the vocational school route, IT Tech and Field Institute of Technology. But the best lesson from, uh, for getting my job in IT was my genuine love for technology and curiosity of everything computer-related. Because my dad mm. didn't believe it out, like, at all, so I was a young mm. kid hired at McDonald's earning $4.10 an hour. That was minimum wage back then. And I had to earn every penny for my clothes, my first car, and my first computer. Well, my, all my stuff I, I had to buy, mm. you know, not just first. Um, so I bought my first computer in 1993, 
uh, I believe it was. It was a Dell with mm. a Intel 46 SX processor and the monitor. And back then it cost $4,300. Now at $4.10 mm. an hour, it took me a while to save that up. And, so, and I had to even have it shipped to Oregon to save on the sales tax. Otherwise, it'd be way more expensive. And I had a friend who received it to me in Oregon and brought it down with him. So they drove it down to, to me when they came to see the family. Uh, I was right. taking that part and putting it back together, and I was constantly on the call with Dell Tech support, and that's how I managed to learn a lot of the fundamental IT lessons I know today. Uh, we didn't have the Internet back then, like I said, so it was a lot of trial and error to solve problems. And essentially, mm. the most important thing I can share for anyone, whether they want to get uh, into real estate, they want to become a financial professional, if they want to you know, go into IT, what find your why? What are you passionate about? What do you love? What excites you? Because if you're going to do it all the time, you, like Elon Musk says, you have to be motivated. Whether it's being an entrepreneur to start a business or in your job, you know, it, you find something that you don't have to find things to motivate you to do. You know, I'm motivated mm-hmm. to do IT because of my love of technology. I'm motivated as as in the finance as being a financial professional because I genuinely love sitting down and sharing what I know with others. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I take that knowledge with me. What good is that? You know, and as a mm. father, I, I hope YouTube is around for a very long time so that when my kids are old enough to appreciate the, the advice I had to share with the world, maybe they can take some of it and take some of it to heart. Uh, and maybe they'll actually listen to me when I'm gone. Who knows? But... Um, <laughs> That's, you know, that's, these are the reasons why I do what I do because I'm passionate about it. And I love real estate. I, love, I used to love going into open houses and checking out properties and creating an Excel spreadsheet of all the expense mm-hmm. through all the different rehab costs, you know, paint and drywall and you know, redo, remodeling kitchens and bathrooms and all that good stuff, um, you know, re, mm-hmm. redoing the, uh, the yard, landscaping. So these are things I enjoyed. And, and so these are the things I got passionate about. And I know I didn't cover anything mm. in regards to health, um, but the reason why I'm passionate about health, because I got the website healthwealthandrealestate.com. Mm, right. Channel, what got me into health was 10 years ago, I was diagnosed pre-diabetic. And then a few years later, my doctor said, okay, now you're full-fledged diabetic. And by the way, since age four, I, I had something called diabetes insipidus which is a very, very rare form of diabetes. Um, so I've been on medication my whole life, really. Wow. But when the doctor said I got to go on insulin and take metformin and glipizide for my type 2 diabetes and then constantly poking my fingers and then poking my stomach with insulin three, four times a day, you know, after doing that for a few years, I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so the reason why I say read books, I learned in books. Uh, what I know now, and that's what I like to share on, on my YouTube channel, how I got off of insulin and glipizide and metformin. Wow. I don't myself anymore. You know, I found healthy alternatives, you know, with, uh, with fasting to beat my insulin resistance, because that's what type 2 diabetes is. It's insulin resistance. Right. And I'm proud to say that since April 2019, I haven't taken a single insulin shot or pill for metformin or glipizide. And so these are the things I'm really passionate about, and that's what I wow. share 
with everyone for free. I don't ask for a conversation ever to, to learn from me what I've learned and shared, shared happily with others uh, my story. Wow. That's amazing. That is incredible. And, you know, it's interesting how it started off as a uh, kind of a sad story, but then it, it had a happy ending in terms of now you do, you, you, you do the fasting, you have these other alternatives, and now you no longer have to, to cut yourself and prick yourself, whether it's your fingers or injecting insulin in you with a needle. So that's amazing. That is incredible. And, and congratulations on that. It's, so it's been since, um, I guess it's been three years since you've ever had to do that. <laughs> and I'm guessing you April, never want to go back. Yeah, about two years, right? April 19, 2020. Yeah, about yeah, two, year, over, two years over right? Two years. Okay, sorry about that. Two years. My math was No, it's okay. and... that's still, it is something I'm very happy for myself. And I can't tell you, I mean, I mean, Luke, how many people do we know with type 2 diabetes? I know in, right. I, unfortunately, type 2 diabetes is kind of, uh, I mean, it, it is kind of racist. A lot of people from Middle Eastern and African descent, um, right. you know, disproportionately do get type 2 diabetes. Um, right. But type 2 diabetes is an epidemic in itself that everybody suffers from on a huge degree. I, I forgot what the statistics right. is, is. You know, definitely as Americans, we're overbeast. And, and basically, yeah. the reason for fat is insulin. That's insulin's job is to produce right. fat. So if you understand how insulin works, not only could you beat type 2 diabetes, you can actually beat obesity as well. So I managed right. to get down 255 pounds, and now I'm hovering around 190. Um, mm. So, And, you know, it's just I'm, I'm a much healthier and enlightened individual, and I don't want anyone to suffer with this disease. Once you're on insulin, you're just buying a little bit of time, but I call type 2 diabetes a slow cancer. You know, it, right. it, it's just killing you from the inside super slowly. And that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why once you get a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, you, your lifespan, you know, expect, lifespan expectations change. They become shorter. You know, right. my doctor said the heck out of me when he said, Ben, if you walk by 10 people on the street, you know, nine of them will be in better health than you. You know, I wow. Like, wow. That really scared me when he said that. So wow. um, I was... I'm I'm very happy to share this information. Anytime I speak with anyone who says, "Yeah, I was diagnosed type two diabetic," I sit down immediately and I have I share my story with them in hopes that mm. I can help the trajectory of their life. Because this mm. is not things, unfortunately, doctors in America share with people. When I told my mm. doctor I want to fast, they're like, "Oh, I don't know about that," you know, because they're they're taught what they're taught. And the doctor Jason right. Fong who wrote the Diabetes Code and the Obesity Code. Um, mm. he, he's from Canada, you know, and uh, he right. shares his research and what he did for his patients. Um, this is just another example of why reading is so important. This is not something I would have picked up visiting my doctor's office. It's not something I would have picked right. up talking to my buddy who's also type 2 diabetic, you know. This is right. something I had to do on my own, seeking out the information, finding books that cover the subjects I'm interested in, and then just mm-hmm. hunkering down and reading it. And I just love mm. acquiring all the knowledge that people have spent years and years putting together right. with, with all of us. Wow, that's amazing. And you could tell, and you could just feel the passion in your voice. You know, you love acquiring knowledge and sharing that knowledge with others, and you don't charge anyone for My understanding is you don't charge anyone for health 
and finance um, advice, um, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And, and I'm guessing real estate advice as well. And mm-hmm. so it, it's interesting. Now, I, fasting is something I think should, it, that should go mainstream. I, I guess they call it intermittent fasting or whatnot. I guess there's different ways to do it, right? And Absolutely. I, I actually do pledge fasting yeah. as well. I do both. Intermittent fasting, OMAD, which stands for one meal a day, and then full-fledged fasting. When I was really serious about getting my type 2 diabetes under control, I would do right. uh, five, six-day fast, meaning nothing but okay. water uh, or carbonated water. You know, make sure there's no sweeteners, no fat, just water and carbonation. You know, that's, mm. that's what I would drink for, for five or six days. But, you know, I, I like to say, you know, people need to choose their hard, you know. Am I going to say that, mm. that fasting is easy? Well, no, it's not. But choose your hard. Mm. Dying, you know, a painful death later in life, is that mm. not also hard? I mean, is it right. being suffering your final days with your family? Is that not hard? I mean, right. so that's what I share in my YouTube video under health. You got to choose your hard. Both are hard. Mm. Choose, I, I choose to be, you know, to fast and tell my, you know, the brain is a powerful organ. If you tell right. yourself and you believe in your head, I can do it, you can do it. Mm. Whenever I found myself mm. reaching for that sweet treat, which, by the mm. way, I, I'm prejudiced about what I buy at the grocery store now. I'm not going to buy mm. anything that I'm going to be tempted with in my cupboard. You know, that's, mm. I'm just setting myself up for failure if I do that. Mm. So, mm. But what I did, when I did have that junk in my house, I would just close my eyes and I picture really big in red the word stop. S-T-O-P, big, bold, red. Wow. Red. You know, take a few seconds breath have a big glass of water, you know, and keep myself busy and preoccupied. Because, you know, mm. the idle hands are the devil's workshop, you know, you're right. going to go with the devil if you're bored. So keep yourself busy. Right. And hey, what's well, a good way to keep yourself busy? Read a book. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Um, you definitely want to stay busy. And, you know, and I think it's so important that people find out what they're passionate about and, be busy with it, and it, hey, if they can parlay what they're passionate about and their talents into money, all the better. And uh, so I think, yeah, I th- I do believe fasting is something that should become mainstream. I really do. I think it's something more people should do. Uh, we've been taught that you have, it has to be three meals a day, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Our ancestors didn't have three meals a day. They actually had, did, yeah. went through fast, right? It's it's natural. And fasting something is the people oldest diet in the book. The book being the Bible, you know. But back yeah. then, people fast, you know, out of necessity, not necessarily by choice. Well, by choice as well. We like they're in, the, right. you know, in the Coptic Orthodox religion, we do fast before Christmas and Easter and events mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, but it is, you know, our bodies. There's a whole science behind fasting, um, and you know, and I can go on for hours just on this subject. <laughs> but really, I I would highly recommend people pick up, you know. Books on fasting, and there's, I think there's, uh, there's shows. Um, definitely, I remember on Amazon they had uh, documentaries on fasting, the water diet. You know, you know, it's, it's something that I've adapted into my own lifestyle. Um, you know, I do have, I have a sensor I wear in my arm now, so I'm always monitoring my sugar levels, and so I mm-hmm. know that if I ate something, how it affected my body specifically. 
And so wow. I just, I was like, okay, I know I should be careful with that food or eliminate that food. And I know, like, tomorrow I'm going to have to fast to allow my body to reset. Because, you mm-hmm. know, uh, just to, real quick, the idea behind insulin is when a type 2 diabetic is diabetic, it's their body is resisting the insulin. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so what Dr. Jason Fung said is like an alcoholic or a drug addict, their body has become resistant to the alcohol mm-hmm. or the drug. That's the, even mm-hmm. though insulin is actually produced chemical in our body, our body as a type 2 diabetic is resisting it. You know, different than a type 1 oh. diabetic, body has issues producing insulin. But for a type 2, our body's resisting mm-hmm. the Well, the problem is if you even chew gum, your body is releasing right. insulin in anticipation of what it thinks is, is something sweet about to enter our digestive system. Because digestion right. happens, it starts in the mouth. So people don't realize that just having something sweet touch your tongue will yeah. release insulin. And what people also don't realize is when your body releases the insulin and it has nothing to digest, it's expecting mm-hmm. to digest sugar, all of a sudden, boom, we have sugar cravings. You know, people beat themselves up because they're like, oh, I crave sugar. I'm a bad person. It's not your mm. fault. You've got sugar cravings because your body's releasing insulin. It's, it's got this habit of releasing insulin in anticipation of our bad diets for years and years and years and years. This right. is why people are in this vicious cycle of eating sweets mm. and carbs because we've got this vicious cycle. Our body's trained from our bad eating habits for years. Right. It needs to produce, release its insulin to digest its food. So the only right. way to deprive your body of insulin, the only way, is fasting. Right. So that's right. that's just the bottom line. There's no no pill. There's no magic pill. There's no magic <laughs> yeah. drug. There's no amount of exercise. You know, exercise is good too. But I always say, you know, diet your health and losing weight and being healthy is ninety percent what you eat and maybe ten percent exercise. Right. So, Right. Yeah. And fasting, um, and thank you so much for this advice, fasting is, is something that a person could put into their lifestyle. It's more of a live it and not a diet. It's something, you know, and diets tend to be yo-yo-ish and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, but this is something that a person can do as a lifestyle, which is so yeah. important. And people have to realize uh, nothing, unfortunately, Americans, we're, we're all programmed for overnight success or overnight progress or overnight results. You spent 20, 30, 40 years reaching type 2 diabetic levels. You're not going to get over it in three to six months. You've got to be very patient. Um, definitely not let your doctor know if you're on insulin or, or, or taking uh, any drugs for, for type 2 diabetes. You've got to let your doctor know that you're fasting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, you can become hypoglycemic. Your blood sugar could drop to a dangerous level, and you can pass away. So I do need to wow. have you, that you need to be very careful when fasting. Um, let your doctor know you're doing it, but don't let your doctor talk you out of doing it. Just make sure your doctor tells, shares with you the safe way to do it for you. Right. In my case, when I started fasting, I had to definitely cut the insulin and the metformin uh, because I would go into dangerously low sugar levels. You know, first, the insulin, obviously, mm going to put you in dangerous levels if you're fasting. But even the metformin and the glipizide would send me there. So I'd be very, very careful um, with, with my mm. medication. That's 
another reason to put a continuous glucose monitor on your arm so you're not pricking your fingers constantly and you're getting a constant graph, an eight-hour graph, the last eight hours constantly into your iPhone. It automatically will send the information to your phone. And if you scan it with your phone, very easy. It takes a second to do. Mm-hmm. And I can see a graph of what my blood is doing at all times because if you don't measure, you can't adjust right. you can't fix. Wow. That's amazing and, and, and very incredible advice. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And, and whatnot. It, fasting is something I try to do as well. Uh, not to the extent that you do it, um, uh, but I should, <laughs> I should consider doing, I've never done like whole day fast, but it's something it's, uh, that I should probably look into. Um, and obviously I do know people who deal with this uh, diabetes issues, unfortunately, uh, in my family as well. Uh, and I don't want to uh, be one of them, of course. So um, again, thank you so much for that advice. And um, now, earlier before you had talked about uh, when, it bec- when it comes to entrepreneurial endeavors, um, one should do it because it's something that they're passionate about. It should be part of their why, so to speak, and they shouldn't be seeking motivation. If, if they have to seek motivation, it's maybe being an entrepreneur is not for them, is what Elon Musk was recommending, and I totally agree with. And clearly you are passionate about IT and tech, you um you had you said you had purchased uh, your first computer pre-internet, uh, 1993. It was, uh, uh, Bell was the company, and mm-hmm. and you know you had to, you're working with it, trial and error, kind of play and whatnot, and and so that's amazing. And obviously, real estate is another one of your passions. You love going to open houses. Again, this is uh, uh, these were subjects that fascinated you, and you didn't need. need uh, motivation to keep it going. You, this is something that you loved and enjoyed learning about and studying and dealing with. So um, definitely um, that why is so important. Um, you know, Mark Twain once said, everyone has two birthdays in their life. You know, the day they were born and the day they figure out why. And <laughs> so I love that. so important yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah. People love that quote. And Mark Twain said a lot of great enlightening things. And so it's so important for people to do some introspection, find out what they're passionate about, what they're into, uh, what they want their life to be about, and, and work from there and whatnot. So that why is so important. And uh, so, and, and this isn't just for entrepreneurs. This is for everyone, of course. Uh, now, you've mentioned quite a lot of um, life lessons and success principles um, and whatnot uh, that obviously you practice. And I, I'm, I'm curious, in addition to those, um, what other life lessons would you like to provide to us? Oh, man. So many lessons, experiences, trials, and emotional hang-ups I've learned from, um, you know, realize that they've existed because if you don't know you have a problem, then how can you solve them, right? The first right. step in Alcoholics Anonymous is realizing you have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So. I've spent a lot of time and money improving myself, learning about myself, unlearning all the crap thinking, or my, my mentors call it stinking thinking, um, he likes mm-hmm. to say. That's why, uh, that's why knowing that I have a problem is the first and foremost important lesson that I had to realize right. first. You know, realizing that, hey, you know, I, I am eating too much sugar and carbs. Ben, you idiot, you're doing this to yourself. <laughs> okay, now you right. know what the problem is. Now you have to fix it. You know, how do we fix it? You know, so many things originate with first realizing that there's a problem. I've learned mm-hmm. to smile a lot. 
all the time. Life is so short, and a smile is contagious. Mm. The world needs more, like I said, more love, and put out there more happiness and joy. And I try in my own right. small way to make others feel good as well. You know, I like to tell people, have a great day. And if not, make it great. You know, we have right. the power to change our day. There's no such thing as a bad day. There's only a bad moment. At that right. moment, stop, pause, adjust your thinking, and make the rest of the day awesome. You know, I made many financial mistakes. I learned to trust my own instincts and listen to the advice of others, you know, right. mainly through books and knowledge, but, who are, but definitely people who are more experienced than me, um, mentors who, who are in the positions that I want to be in. You still have to do your homework. Make sure that, uh, you, uh, that what you share is still accurate for your particular situation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have lost $150,000 on my first rehab deal if I had known that lesson. Um, I spent right. money, I spent a lot of money on my own self-improvement and knowledge is the best investment you can make. Um, I, mm-hmm. Like I said before, I wish I started reading books way younger. Um, I didn't appreciate the gold nuggets that authors share with the world until way too late in life. You know, and mm. that's, that's, I think that's a very important lesson to remember. Yeah, and that's why I said earlier in the interview, you know, just don't take what people say. Do your homework and your own research first and trust your gut. I allowed I actually listened to my gut before making that hundred and fifty thousand dollar mistake and I felt that I was right, but because this person had more experience, I took their advice and, and ignored my own um mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. own uh, research and my own assessments and said, Well, you know, he's the expert. I should follow his advice. You know, my advice is don't do that. <laughs> right. You know, be smart about the advice you take and from who you take it from. Right. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And that's so incredible. You know, they say the most successful people follow their intuition. So there's definitely something to that when it comes to intuition, when it comes to um, the gut, um, feelings and whatnot. And, you know, they also say the most successful people read a lot of books. You know, Bill Gates, for example, is a voracious reader. Um, so there is something to that as well. Elon Musk even more. I've heard he used to read three or four books a day. That's you know, just crazy number of books. But that's so true. Your average CEO reads, I think, uh, what was it, three to nine books a month? So, yes, reading is definitely the path to success. Yeah, and you also talked about the concept of positive thinking, uh, which obviously reminds me of the law of attraction, the secret, as they call it. And essentially, when you think positively, positive things tend to happen, and you see opportunities. And it's not by magic. It's because, you know, when you think of a red car, and you, you're fixated on a red car, you go outside, and you see a whole bunch of red cars. And the reason why that is, is they were always there, but now you're you're, you're, you're more attuned to it. Your antenna is more aware, so to speak. And so it, it, it's the same with opportunities. Um, you know, when you're focused on positive uh, events, you, you see opportunities that are always there, but you were just blind to them before. And so, and, and also when it comes to the concept of failure, you know, I interviewed a guest before who told me that, that there's no such thing as failure, just learning experiences. And uh, I believe that to be true. Uh, it's all about just learning uh, from mistakes and, and growing. And so failures are just lessons. You only really fail if you get knocked down and, uh, 
and then you don't get back up. That's the only thing I would consider a failure if you just quit. And obviously you didn't do that, of course. You kept plugging away despite setbacks and whatnot. And I always recommend to people the story of the guy who founded Domino's Pizza. (laughs) It's an amazing story about how he had filed for bankruptcy here and there and whatnot, but everyone knows uh, what Domino's Pizza is today, so he succeeded because he didn't quit. (laughs) It's an incredible story. And um, so um, thank you so much for sharing these uh, life lessons. Uh, So now, um, you know, you've read a lot of books, of course. So I'm I'm curious, what are your top uh, book recommendations uh, that you have for folks? Funny you ask, because my first website that's still out there and the podcast I produce, which which still has a few episodes out there, is qualitytimewithdad.com, or the podcast is Quality Time with Dad, which was a hobby. Mm -hmm. I put out there my own synopsis of books I read and what I got out of them. Someone I forgot who said that if you can blog, then you can write a book. Just take a collection of all your blogs and reorganize them, and boom, you have a book. Um, Right. And then it's book recommendations. For health, I would recommend the books, like I mentioned before, The Obesity Code and The the Diabetes Code by uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Jason Fong. Uh, The Always Hungry Book. I apologize, I forget the name of the author. Um, Mm -hmm. There's some great books, uh, real estate related, excuse me, um, by by Sam Merrill. Uh, He's got like... um, uh, the Real Estate Wholesaling Bible, and uh, he's got books on how to do mm-hmm. fix and flips and passive income. Right. I think he did a book with uh, Michael Gerber called The E-Myth Revisited right. um, Real Estate, um, if you're trying to make a business out of doing real estate. Um, for, for finance, I would recommend a few books. Um, I have uh, Shift to Wealthier, the rich person's Roth for the most tax-free retirement income with the Rockefellers right. by Gary D. Gunderson, uh, the retirement miracle by Patrick Kelly and money, wealth, life and life insurance by Jake Thompson. Um, those are a few books on finances. And then there's great books for personal development, like uh, how Elrod will share with you in the miracle morning, how to get 14 extra hours a week to do whatever right. it is you want. Um, that's an awesome book for those who say, I have no time. I recommend that book to buy yourself some time. There's great mm-hmm. books like Dale Carnegie's got books, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, mm-hmm. the Gift, uh, uh, Gift of Fear, um, a great relationship book. Uh, men are, I, I, mean, I read all kinds of books. Men are from uh, yeah. Mars, Men are from Venus, um, The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. Uh, just, I just consume everything. The Secret, like you mentioned, by Ron Byrne, right. and they've got a Netflix special, and I think they even redid it recently, right. a Netflix special, part two or something. Um, right. You know, How to Make Money in Real Estate. Uh, sorry, that's another real estate book. Um, it's just, it's just it's endless, um, the right. types of books. Mindset is a very important one by Carol Dweck. I saw her speak at Stanford University many years ago. Um, She's awesome. And mindset is a very important thing to be mindful of, no pun intended, Mm -hmm. um, and to fix. Um, Just just anything you want to learn anything from. Oh, sorry. Always Hungry was by Dr. David Ludwig. 
Um, right. Every real estate guy's read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, mm-hmm. Elon Musk has a biography by Ashley Vance that she wrote um, that I did some quotes from in this interview. Um, right. Reading, Think and Grow Rich is a very popular one by Napoleon Hill, and I can go on and on and on. And, I, and, I, and a few of these books I did reviews for on my quality time with dad.com site um, and blogs and podcasts. Um, but that's, yeah, those are my recommendations. And definitely, if you're someone who has a lot of knowledge that you feel you could share with others, I recommend they would write a book too. Then let me know. I'd be happy to read it. <laughs> Wonderful. And so this is, and obviously, um, you know, I, I was going to give you the question about would you write a book yourself? Um, but I'm guessing you're more of a reader of books and not, you're not one to maybe write one or? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I may take that advice of saying if you just reorganize all your blogs, boom, you have a book. Yeah. Um, right. So may, maybe one day I won't throw that idea out. Right now I find myself really busy creating content for my YouTube channel and, uh, right. and, and taking those and blogging those. Um, but uh, if I, can, I can, who knows, maybe one day I might carve out some time and write a book. Uh, that would be a very cool thing to do. Right, and the whole, and obviously, um, when it comes to starting a podcast, you did that already with quality time and whatnot. Um, is it something you'd do again, maybe with a, a finance or health real estate team, or? So I, so actually, I started out with podcasting, um, and then I switched to doing YouTube videos. Um, I think I very easily could take the same YouTube videos strip out the audio and make those in a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I well could do that. I just haven't. Okay. Uh, a YouTube video does take quite a bit of time to write the scripts, actually produce, and then edit, and then upload. And so right. it, it can be quite a bit of work. And as you know, even putting out a podcast, it, it takes time um, to grab right. these, buy some, edit them together, uh, fix the sound remove all the clicks and the fire engines that drove by, you know, during the recording. Right. Things like that. So, you know, it, it, with everything else going on, it, it would be, even with the Miracle Morning having that extra two hours a day, uh, mm. I find myself quite full with things I'm doing. But I won't throw right. the idea of, of writing a book and, and maybe even taking some of the content and putting out podcasts. Right. Well, I totally understand. Um, if you were to do, be a podcast host, uh, I, again, you, I think you'd do great. Um, you clearly are very Thank passionate you. and knowledgeable about these subjects. And, yeah, and, you know, Seth Godin, who's like a big marketing guru, who's bald-headed, wears glasses, he says everyone should have a podcast, and that podcast is the new blogging. Uh, so something to consider. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I definitely uh, want to go ahead and thank you. Uh, this has been uh, for you know coming on to be a guest. So this has been an enlightening and educational conversation. I'm sure the audience feels the same way. Um, can you go ahead and describe all the ways people can reach out and connect with you uh, if they want, or if they know someone who wants to utilize your services, or if they want to put a dynamic center of influence in their network? Well, sure. For, first off, thanks so much, Luke, for this opportunity and time with you. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, most people enjoy like talking about themselves, uh, but uh, but I definitely did enjoy right. this opportunity with you, and I really hope that your listeners enjoyed it as well. Um, 
I have my website, healthwealthandrealestate.com. Someone else has Health Wealth Real Estate, um, but mine is healthwealthandrealestate.com. I should have registered that domain, too. I mean, I got this website, you know, 12, 13 years ago is when I first started right. it. But anyway, you can look up my YouTube channel where I share a lot of my own lessons and give a small taste of my financial education I share with folks. And that can be found by searching on YouTube for health, wealth, and real estate. I look for the guy in the blue navy suit and light blue dress shirt um, with a picture of the Shoreline Park in the background, the home of Google headquarters. Um, and that's based, and on the healthwealthandrealestate.com page, there's a contact link that they can press, and it'll shoot me a message, and I'm happy to connect with folks and schedule a Zoom and see how I can be a value add to anyone who's looking for help uh, on any of the three subjects I'm happy to share. Definitely. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm going to also uh, put that information in the episode description box so people can see it and read it there. All right. And, again, thank you for coming on as a guest. I want to thank the audience for listening. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Everyone, have a wonderful and amazing day. Take care and bye-bye. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcasts app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so. Uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.